If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. Free Lydia Tar, uncancel Lydia Tar. Lydia Tar did nothing wrong. Um, she did nothing stop, wrong. Stop, stop, stop. What? Lies. You're lying. I'm not lying. What did she do you're wrong? You're a liar. What did she do She's wrong? She's a liar. She's. We all lie, don't we? Power. Power. To manipulate. She's a woman born with no power, dies with no power. That's your true. lot in That's life. That's not true anymore. Women hating women. Look it at this like shit. It was like that for a long time, but it's not like that anymore. Women can be in charge and they can be just as big of dicks as men can. No, women against women. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself. I am not ashamed of myself because I equal opportunity like or dislike people regardless what did of she their do? race Tell or me, gender. Give me the details or of what ethnicity. she did wrong. Okay, what did she do wrong? So... She was haunted or something. Listen, okay, maybe she was. She's haunted. got ghosts chasing maybe her, and you're stopped. putting her down. Maybe she was going crazy a little bit, but at the end of the day, she fucked around. It found she out. lied. <laughs> she lied to her wife. She neglected her daughter. She manipulative and sneaky with like positions at work. Like she used her. Yes, she did. Impossible. She, yes, she did. She hired and fired people and held jobs over people's heads, like just to make them 
keep him under her thumb. We or- all have to have sex to get by in this world. That's how I moved. That's not true. That's how I, in, in the early 2000s, how I moved from the pizza line to delivery. Oh, is at, it? At Pizza Hut. I fucked my way Ugh. to using my own gas in my own car. I'm sorry. And I got free cheese sticks. I'm proud of the work on my back that I did. Anyway, we're talking about the movie. I'm Angela. I'm Bob. Champ. <laughs> This is Movie Humpers, the sounds you might hear are dogs. Uh, yes. Bobby made me watch Tar. <laughs> I, there is a change.org petition. Oh, God. I need five signatures to make it visible. So just look below the video, hit the link, sign that change.org position. You're going to do it. I'm not doing it. Yes, you are. You can't fucking make me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I have access to your stuff. All right. So go to better not fucking put my go, name on that shit. Go to https colon forward slash forward slash slash chng dot spell it slash you'll never find uh, it. it forward slash little b capital L little v capital F four the number four little c capital F capital W little F and M as in my God you hate women. Sad. I do not hate women. Sad. Um, I guess you'll never. Those who stand up for Lydia Tar, who understand art, we are the tarded. I am a proud tard. Robert. Okay. Robert. This is not okay. I'm talking about my fandom and adoration for a true artist. All right. This is not okay. Join our legions, the legions of the tarded. All right? No. And be a tard just like me. No. No, 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 no. We're talking... <clears throat> we're talking about the movie. I apolo- I'm sorry. Uh, I'm we're sorry, talking everybody. about the movie. I'm really sorry. Why do you- I don't understand why you're apologizing. Because... Why are you apologizing? Well, first, I'm sorry if anyone watched this movie just because we were going to talk about it. Um, also, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, you you hate this movie? I don't hate this movie. Interesting. It may... I mean, it, it has... It, you know, we had a pretty interesting conversation after this movie. Like, it spurred some interesting, like, thoughts and conversations. But the watching of this movie was not entirely enjoyable for me. Interesting. Hmm. Guess you're just not sophisticated. We're talking about no, the movie. <laughs> We're talking about the movie Tar, directed by Todd Field from last year. Part of our uh, catching up double theme that we have this month. Uh, it stars Kate Blanchett, Noemi Merlant, Nina Haas, Sophie Kyer. Julian Glover, excellent cinematography, cinematography by Florian Hoffmeister. <laughs> and the music is by Hildur Gonadotir, who's a woman. Nice. Does that bother you? No. The budget for this movie was $25 million. Okay. It, it made $29 million because the international audience actually came out for it. Only because of the international audience. And put it over the edge. Well, yes. I'm glad they didn't lose money, I guess. It's always sad when a film straight up loses money. Yeah, it's from the United States and Germany. I'm glad I didn't pay to watch it. Wow, you're really upset. I'm not upset. It's not upset. It's more apathy. Like, I just... Huh. Uh, 
Huh. What did you think this movie was trying to tell you at the end? At the end. What was this movie's, in brief, okay. like in two sentences, Yeah. what was this movie's message to you? What do you think this movie's message to you was? This movie is showing sort of a level of the art world, music world, God, Bobby, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, Tar is a story about a woman who fights her way to the top but doesn't even actually know who she is. Like, she Mm. has all of her ideas and her thoughts were formed when she was very young. There's a part where we see her go Mm. back to her house. And this is more than two sentences, but there's a part where we see her go back to her house and she pulls out these old VHS tapes that she obviously watched as she was a child and you see of Leonard Bernstein. Leonard yeah. Bernstein is giving this speech about the importance of music and like she's crying but it, it it just echoes of things you've heard her say throughout this movie where she's in interviews or she's reading bits of her book. It's just she's regurgitating other people's ideas. There's also this whole thing about, you know, is a conductor really interpreting anything? Are they really doing anything? Because they're not really changing anything. The whole point is that you're you're at the behest of the co- composer. You're performing someone else's art, but you're not even performing it. You're keeping time. They talk about time. <laughs> I think you're kind of alluding that she's a bullshit artist. She is. That she's just kind of a facade of a human. I think human. she's a narcissist. I think she does. I honestly I, don't I mean, think she knows herself. I, I don't think she knows herself. I uh, I kind of agree with you there. Um, you know, she's what people want her to be. Except for a, a few other people. <laughs> except well, for those closest to her. I don't think that she... I mean, she might be so... I don't know that she has emotion has emotions the way the people around her do. That's, I won't say she doesn't have emotions, but she doesn't have them in the same way. That's possible. Now, I was looking at um, some criticisms of this movie, and as you can tell, there may be a lot of interpretations of this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's some that is like some ideas that things may, certain scenes and stuff may not be real. Like very interested about that, and uh, there's certain ideas that maybe this is almost like a soft horror story, like a ghost story in a way, which I can definitely see where people come up with that. Yeah, but, but I think I want to talk about that a little bit. But I think there is this is kind of a, a story of hubris and self sabotage. Mm-hmm. But the one interpretation, but yeah. there's two inter- specific interpretations that I reject outright, and I I saw I can't remember the critic's name, but I read. I very, I you know you read like a paragraph of something and I was like yeah. this person has no idea what they're talking about <laughs> right. and then you move on but someone described this movie as like fodder for the conservative mindset because it's supposed to be like cutting too deep into cancel culture and I don't and I don't I don't believe that any more than I believe that it's something that is supposed to be the opposite of that which shows the effectiveness of cancel culture and that look, yeah, she deserves all this. Like I, I think Todd field was approaches this approach. This a lot smarter than that. And he did not, 
present this in a way. This movie was very controlled. Oh, yeah. In her in its presentation. Yes. Todd Field is apparently a uh, was a student of a. Uh, he was a student of Kubrick, like he knew him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he did work on Eyes Wide Shut or something. Okay. But it's not quite so cut and dry as that. Yeah. And the idea that this is like conservative fodder, it's just like not even understanding the nature of a conservative audience, which a lot of liberals have a problem even properly, as simple and reactive as it is, really properly identifying the cultural core of it. This idea that like conservatives who hate cancel culture are just going to pack in and watch this movie about a composer. This is a fucking, the, the, the core of the hubris of this movie exists in NPR world, not Fox news world. Exactly. And what you just said is you being more thoughtful about it than people who wrote those articles, because what they're doing is clickbait. They're wanting to say, Tar is talking about cancel culture so that you click on to see what the fuck they're saying. And there, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual movie, which there, is about the fall of a person. There have also been, in an equal quick clickbait fashion, over the past year since this movie came out, there have been people coming out and saying that Tar is where they have this reactionary political mindset. The more clinically online people saying that Tar is a lampooning of cancel culture on their philosophical behalf. But these people, they're not going to understand this fucking movie. That's the nature no. of this movie. They're not going to. And 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 it, the obnoxious conversation around cancel culture, it doesn't just fall to the MAGA audience. There, you you yeah. hear more of these like centrist liberal types bringing it up more and more as well, or people who are just older uh, celebrities who maybe aren't very good at their jobs uh, who haven't had a lot of work and suddenly cancel culture becomes something convenient for them, like a shell that they can put on like a defense Mm. system that almost like lets them off the hook in a sense that you, I didn't just fail. I was canceled. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think there is something to that Mm -hmm. with this movie here with Lydia Tarr. Yeah, and we we open up. We see her in this very long-winded one of those NPR interviews. <laughs> you ever hear those Dave being Cooley like jazz record reviews? And it's no, like, I would never. And it's like, who the fuck is buying these records? You know, like I know. I don't even know which Marsalis you're talking about at this point. <laughs> I actually got that. Hey, um, you are sophisticated. <laughs> know about that i hate jazz <laughs> you really you don't hate jazz i've yet to meet the jazz <laughs> that i love <laughs> well uh lydia Tar- Bella fitzgerald jazzy yeah that's yeah, like vocal her. classic vocal you probably like classic vocal jazz there you go i like yeah. classic vocal jazz yeah yeah i don't like instrumental showing off jazz anyway <laughs> i guess um so, so they, they they make a point really early on in this interview to talk about the fact that she is a woman in a not in a space where there's not a lot of women particularly, but she actually throws it up and says like, oh no, there were plenty of women before me. People, you just don't talk about them. And she like actually like says some of that. And at the beginning of this, I was like, oh, this is like a cool lady who's like maybe Art- a little crazy because she seemed a little like off, but a lot of artists are a little off. Sure. You know? Yeah. 
And so eccentric, fine. But I was like, oh, okay. So she like definitely is not a person like that's like I got here on my own. She like recognizes that people came before her, that she's standing on the backs of other women who also, you know, did this. But then there's this big question to her, which I kind of, I guess I referenced earlier of, what are you actually doing as a conductor? How are you making a piece your own? She's about to go and do Mahler's Fifth. Mm -hmm. And here's what's interesting. She is writing something in the movie. It's never completed, but. Yeah, she's writing a song for her daughter. This is also what conductors do. They play these big pieces that have existed for years. Absolutely. Let's get into the classroom scene. Could you talk about that scene? Oh, yeah. That's actually what I was going to say. So, in real quick, in that interview, she is talking about how she has to think about what was going on with Mahler at the time that he wrote The Fifth and come at it from that perspective of, like, who he was and what he was doing. Fast forward, she's teaching this class at Juilliard. And there is the student, Max, who uh, self-describes himself as a BIPOC pan-gender person. Himself, themselves. Themselves. Woke or new are. Woke or new are. Pan-gender, I believe, means he, she, or they. Oh, so we're both right. So we're both right. We're both right, but I'm not wrong. And you were trying to say I was wrong. So yeah, we're both right. I'm still woke than you are. Go ahead. Okay, whatever. Um, he's conducting in front of her this very weird piece of music, right? That doesn't really, it sounds like kind of, it sounds a little disjointed, but it's, I guess, more modern, right? And so she's talking about the classics, and he says, I can't relate to people like, who was it? Bach? Bach, yes. And he says he doesn't like Bach because he was a misogynist and he had like 20 kids and and, you know, he's, talk, he's talking about, like, these, like, cis, male, straight, like, composers, and he can't relate to them. And she basically tells him, you're being too sensitive, and you can't judge, you can't say you don't like a piece of music because of, like, who wrote it and where they were in their life, like, their gender or their race or what country they were from. But then... Which I agree with. Actually, I thought she made a good point. It was a really good point. He, she ultimately upsets this Oh, yeah. Tell kid. a bit about the person he likes. He he mentions somebody he likes. And, mm-hmm. of course, she comes, she knows everything about this world. So yeah. she comes up with some factoid about how he uh, said something. It's a woman. Yeah, a woman who. And she has said something va- vaguely anti-Semitic, maybe not, about, like, Jewish people co-opting jazz. Mm-hmm. And so... So she brought that up to kind of show that like no one no one here is gonna ride the line of every which way. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like this idea of like I can't relate well, I can't I personally cannot relate to anyone from like three hundred years ago. Yeah. Agree. Regardless of their if they have the same even if they're in my own family, a lot of people project their bullshit onto their own and ancestry, but they have no they might know some factoids, but they don't have any moral knowledge yeah. of that a lot of people will project that moral all you really know is that your relatives were nutting in each other until you came along <laughs> right and the idea that you would say automatically that you agree with or understand more relate more to a woman composer 
that you actually don't know anything about yeah. than a male composer that you also actually don't know anything about. It's one thing if you've read books about them and researched them and know all this stuff that you can back it up, but just saying, like, I agree with her because she's a woman. I disagree with him because he's a man. Like, if they, if you can... If you can judge them based on their gender, then people can also do that to you or the color of your skin or your sexual orientation or the way that you're dressed. Mm -hmm. And she does kind of have this sort of like, it almost feels like a revelation moment. Like he storms out. Where are you going? You're a fucking bitch. And you are a robot. And she's talking about you can't be yourself. She's like, I'm a fucking U-Haul lesbian. What does that mean? It, I think U-Haul lesbian is like the the move in after six weeks. Okay. Lesbian. I think yeah. that's what that's referencing. She does move fast. She moves very fast with all the girls. Mm. But but yeah, it's this whole, you know, she's basically she basically says to be a good conductor, you have to not be yourself like you have to be like a blank slate like you have to take on whatever that is but then you're taking that on so it's like all contradiction too like she's saying you can't you can't uh care about who the person is or what they were doing in order to say whether their music is good or not but then why do you need to look into that person's life and what they were doing when they wrote this piece if it's just a good piece on its own do you see what i'm saying it's a contradiction you know sometimes when people are kind of shocked by when they're absorbing anything art, whether it be institutions or art or whatever in this mm. world, and it reflects something that defies their own personal morality. I've learned over the years to not expect moral compunction. I can only expect moral compunction from my own moral code. Absolutely. But art art can art can be good and artists can be shitty, and both of those things can be true. Yes. And yeah, and everybody. Fucking everybody has something in their house that was a work of art made by somebody who was shitty in some form or fashion. Absolutely. And so the idea that anyone could relate to anyone centuries ago, period, where they're just like grasping. We're all just grasping at this shit. So don't like it's ultimately it's naive to expect everything to to you're. You're, what you think you're relating to is just you projecting into something that you're not a, not even a part of. Yeah, so. and if you believe that you're doing a job and you are an interpreter, then make it your own. Yeah. It doesn't matter who wrote it. Yeah. Make it your own. So I kind of did agree with Lydia's yeah. critique here. That's about where we end with yeah. agreeing, a, agreeing with Lydia. Because let's be honest, we're not in the world of orchestra and composition, so... There's a lot of like language surrounding this world that just sounds like blowhard hubris. And totally. I think it's totally meant to sound like that. Well, yeah. I mean, even, you know, there's a lunch that she goes to with this guy who's also a conductor. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it feels grody. Like, I just don't like them. Like, and I don't think I'm supposed to, but it's just 
uncomfortable and like he's sort of like how did you get them to do this one thing like yeah. he basically was like offering her jobs and but all he's, kinds of stuff he's extra also hotel days like he, to give her he's some also hints. trying to figure out how to get an edge into what she's doing as well yeah, so there's like that, why are you going to help somebody take your spot there's a thirst to the whole conversation mm-hmm. and uh and lydia tar uh free lydia tar uncancel lydia tar uh, she bitch. she is very much really at the tippy top in her ego in terms of fame here. Yeah. So this movie, there is a study of power here. But as we move along into the story, like when she's doing the big interview at the beginning, we see the back of a woman's oh, yeah. head. When she's Red going hair. when she's going into her penthouse or wherever she's at in I think it's before we get to Berlin, we see the back of a woman's head. When I was watching this, I was like, "Is that that's her?" Like I convinced myself, the hair was different though. I but in certain lights, she her hair looks red. That's why I thought it was someone different though. She kind of had a point to make it not her. She kind of has the same type of hair a little bit that the person that we thought it was. Not that that's that strawberry blonde shit where it looks reddish and it looks blondish. Okay. Like I've had hair. I have hair like that. Sometimes it's just, some people tell you you have blonde hair. Sometimes people tell you you have red hair. You know? So, that's all I'm, that's why I thought that. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to think that. I just disagree. Lydia has (laughs) a a relationship with someone who is in her orchestra. She lives in Berlin. She's in the Berlin Philharmonic. Um, So, most of the movie takes place in Germany. And... She has a relationship with a woman who is like a lead in her orchestra. She's first chair violin, and that's like the person that the conductor, when they come out, they shake the hand. They're kind of like the leader of the orchestra. And she has an assistant named Francesca. And you can tell that people who are close to her orbit that are in her world, she definitely, at least at some point, had some kind of romantic sexual relationship with. When we fir- yeah. When the movie first opens up, and we understand later that it's Francesca, She's texting with someone on the jet with... Who I think is Krista. Tar. Krista, who we'll get into later. Yeah. And uh, and they're kind of making fun of her. Kind of ragging yeah. her, trolling her. Totally. Because she's this person who seems very... She seems very attractive. She seems very intelligent. She seems very, like, easygoing. She's none of those things. Yeah. I mean, she is intelligent, for sure. She's not easygoing. And, I mean, sure, she's an attractive woman, but she's a gross person. And people are just kind of falling at her feet. But but you do kind of get that people want to be close to her, but then when you get close to her, you realize that she's not, she's not all those things. She's just kind of a shitty person under it. Yeah, yeah. You know, she... She has this, Sharon is her wife's name, basically her wife. They're, they're partners and they have a daughter who is, like, I think seven. And the only, there's a part where Sharon says to her, the only relationship you've ever had that wasn't transactional is with the person sleeping in the next room. Yeah, the kid, Petra. The kid was the only one. But also. She does seem to have a genuinely positive relationship with this child. I think that she does have a positive relationship, but you also get the idea that because she's gone for long periods of time. That's true. Sharon is doing... There's a little bit of... Yeah, Sharon is the mom. She describes herself... Or the full-time caregiver. When she's talking father. when she's talking to her daughter's bully, she describes herself as the father. Yeah, I'm Petra's father. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. And um, Woker, and, New York? Woker, New York? What? 
maybe she's the father. She's the father. I don't know. I just want to. It's just fun to say that word. (laughs) I know. Well, green, you are. It's one word. So, Uh, yeah. So, so Francesca keeps bringing up that, you know, we see the back of this woman's head. But, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, maybe she didn't see that woman in the back of the auditorium when she's doing the interview in New York. No, I don't think she did. But the woman, you see the woman standing outside of the penthouse as she's walking in. She seems very close. Mm -hmm. Is she really there? Yes. She wasn't that close. She was was at the... We had to rewind this part because I don't think you saw her the first time. She was like at the end of the block. So it was as though she was looking around the corner of the building. And so so she wouldn't have been seen. Mm. It seemed as though a stalker. I thought a stalker, which I think is what happened. I, you know, you know, you did mention early on, and I just want to talk about this for one second. You mentioned that some people call it like soft horror. I get that because there was a moment where I was like, is she being stalked? Is she being haunted? Is she going crazy? She's and it could have like, gone any of those ways. But there was a moment where she's hearing this like metronome basically, but it's so loud. And it's, she hears these noises as though they're like booming in her head, which is is actually like, can be like misophonia where you just like fixate on a noise and it sounds like louder than life. So, but you can feel like you're going crazy if you have that. I have it a little bit. It's intense sometimes. Uh, But she's walking down this hallway and this like noise is happening. And I actually had the thought, I wonder what this movie would look like in the hands of like an Ari Aster. Yeah. You know, like just like turn up, turn up the weirdness a couple more notches. And I feel like this might've been, to me, way more interesting and better. I honestly think that what we got and how it was presented was as good as it could be. Okay, fair. I'm glad that, I mean, I'll do, I like Ari Aster, mm-hmm. but this is a Todd Field movie and how it's just so specific. I mean, he's like a student yeah, of Kubrick, right? That's true, yeah. The way these shots are framed, everything feels so deliberate. You see like portions of people before you actually meet people. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting how it's all laid out. And it just comes off feeling extremely particular. Like nothing That's is true. Nothing is that loose. Yeah. And I like that it's vague like an Ari Aster movie, you would know it's a horror. Yeah. You're not you're not you. sure watching a tar movie. Watching this Todd this is Field true. movie. And you know, as, as things kind of start to fall apart for her... Well, I want to talk about the Krista. Yeah. Like, Francesca keeps kind of informing Lydia that Krista keeps trying to reach out. And they never say specifically what the relationship was, but you find out over time that... They were all together at some point, and there was a physical romantic relationship. There's this group that... Lydia's part of and kind of like on the board of I think it's called like the accordion society or something and they basically um it's it's a program for young women conductors and they help them find placements and, and things Krista and, is a we see a picture of her later tr- conducting but tar ruined her life like so Krista's obsessed with her you find out eventually that she kills herself Krista kills herself and and there's this part where Lydia Tarr goes through her email and looks up all the emails she sent about Krista to other conductors, telling them not to hire her. She actively did use her leverage to prevent her from having a career in her field. And and she's accused. So with this, this is kind of the, the, when the undoing begins is when she finds out Krista has committed suicide. 
So Krista is, is no longer alive, and Francesca's fucked up about it. Yeah. But Lydia's, like, really shitty about it. She asked her to delete all <laughs> her emails, which she does not do. And she's like, we just have to forget about her. We just have to just forget about her, put her out of your mind. And this was this person's friend. Now, I when I read the article that, it was like a Slate article that was positing the horror, the soft horror aspects to it. And, the, and also posited that maybe some things just were not real, like when she goes into the building later in the movie. Mm. And I think these are kind oh, of, yeah. these are interesting assessments, but it also, there were some things that we missed when we watched it okay. in terms of the scenes. Like there are parts where she's going into her bookshelf looking for something and you see a woman in the bedroom in the back. It's so subtle. And Props to this article for pointing that out. And there's another part where it's really dark and she's getting up out of bed and you can barely make it out, but there is a figure standing in the dark in this movie. Like, we should revisit this movie down the road because oh there are, like, these little things that are in the scenes that we missed that are very deliberate, very... and But so done in such a way... <laughs> That is so, like, you could so easily miss it, and we did. Is it, like, after Krista has died? I'm trying to... That she's been being haunted? I'm not exactly... I want to say yeah, but I'm not 100% sure of the timeline. Because I wondered when, after I... I wondered the night that Tara was woken up with the metronome, and she was so scared. That was definitely after she died. That was definitely, like, the night Krista died, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that. So it was all, yeah, wow, okay. Tara's also, Tara at one point also focuses in on a noise that occurs with her neighbor. Her neighbor is like. The beeping. Yeah, yeah, so that kind of speaks to what you were saying. Yeah. But she, but she's, at this, at that point, she's probably confused as to what is real and what is not in her mind. Yeah. She's not sure. She's not vocalizing like, oh, something is. She's not telling anybody. Yeah, she's not telling anybody. But, but yeah, so I, I there is, I, I would, if, whether or not what we're seeing is real or not, I'm not sure if she understands that what she's seeing is real or not mm. at times. And after Krista's death, it seems like, you know, she obviously is asking to get rid of the emails because she knows that this could disaffect her in light of this tragedy. Yeah, because the she was ignoring run. this person who's trying to reach out, and she actively spoke against her. So it speaks to, at least in terms of her career, like a creeping dread. Yeah, that is kind of following her. Yeah. And now, what could she? What should she do when she gets to this? Well, her hubris, her fame, her sense of power, her narcissism—it doesn't. Her idea of damage control is to just tell people to delete their emails. She doesn't get out in front of this. She doesn't, like, make a statement. She doesn't even tell her wife. Because everyone who knows her in her orbit knows that she had some kind of connection with this student. She was in these classes, you know. There's, like, you can tell someone to delete the emails, but she sent all these emails to what could be hundreds of people. And she, her response to every question, this is a deposition at some point, every question is, I don't know, I don't remember. She literally is acting as though she never met this person. Yeah. She, they were like, how long did you spend with her? And she's like, I don't know. I'd have to check with my assistant. I think overall, like, it was maybe a month. And ultimately. Like, she's very, like, disconnected. And ultimately, it's Krista's parents who are, we never meet them. Right. Who are, who have put out that accusation of grooming, mm-hmm. I guess, that she, 
these young these young college students, I guess. They want to get big in the industry. Yeah. She takes them along. She's lovers with them for a while. And then when she gets what she wants out of them or she or they do anything that she, you know, doesn't like, she tosses them aside. And Francesca's stuck around maybe in the hopes that things will work out. Or Everyone thinks that, that the, she's going to make her her assistant officially and she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And she fires this one dude who has been around forever and he's very confused about it mm-hmm. because of the way he says something needs to be uh, not as loud. And so she uses that little bit of criticism and like forces him out. Well, she that's part of what the very boring lunch is at the beginning with the other conductor is her talking about how that guy is like not really with it anymore mm-hmm. and she needs to get rid of him but her predecessor had brought him in because he was her predecessor's lover right right uh so she hadn't gotten rid of him because she didn't want to disappoint her her predecessor as much as it seems like you know she's this bullshit artist with a lot of hubris it also kind of paints this entire world of composers the same way yeah it really does i, I mean, mean i you know i have no i can I, I actually like, you know, a classical score, especially when it's laid over a movie or something like that. There are, I've gotten sure. I've gotten more into instrumental stuff the older I get. And the, I'm not saying there's not talent there, but there but in all any aspect of the arts, there's just an immense amount of bullshit and hubris. Yeah. And I think like it's shown very well. And I don't think it's meant to disrespect the classical form and the works, but it does seem like to me it is a bit of a criticism of that world. Yeah, for sure. And when you go into any art world, there's something like this. So I think along thinking of it like that, this is, while you may not understand a lot of what they're talking about here, you can kind of put it into other things that you are obsessed with, that you uh, deal with or get really nerdy about. And like that has dominated your mind. Yeah, so she has lunch with her predecessor at one point. So this is after uh, Krista has died. She's found out that she's going to have to have a deposition, that she's been accused of things. And someone cut the conversation she had in the class in a way that makes it seem as though she were being racist and misogynist herself. That Juilliard class, it was badly edited. It was so badly. And she was even like, it's obviously been twisted around. And yes, it had obviously been. Yeah, yeah. But that was just like the cherry on the top of the pile of shit. Yeah. You know, that was already there. Like, it didn't matter. Yeah, it's not really the video, but the accusations. And it's just piling up, piling up. And so she has lunch with this guy and he's talking to her about, like, truly she's like, can you speak with me about, like, you know, people saying that you did things saying that a conductor maybe did things that they shouldn't have been doing. And he's like, who said what? Who said what about me? And she's like, not about you. And he's like, okay, well then he starts talking to her about how literally every single person that he's ever known who's been a conductor has had something either that they were successful in hiding or that they fucking got kicked out for. Like it's very common from the way he was talking. He, and then he can, he started talking about a composer who had been accused of being a Nazi 
And she was like, surely you're not comparing being a Nazi to like a sexual transgression. And he's like, isn't it all the same though? <laughs> like when someone thinks you've done something bad, then you've done something bad. And even if you didn't like, do it, once they think it, uh, you've done it. I love the rationale there where he was like, oh, well, he didn't sign Heil Hitler at the end of his letters. Like yeah, yeah. Did. He was like, they, he wasn't, he even when he wrote to Hitler. <laughs> What? Hitler's kind of a great thing to bring up. Uh, I mean, in the sense of... Uh, <laughs> That's a weird soundbite. <laughs> because it, when it comes to like the art and the artist, Hitler's so convenient because he was a monster and a shitty painter, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just not always going to be like that, right? But uh, but yeah, so when she tells that guy that he's being replaced, he becomes very openly... He's like, well... I assume you're going to replace me with Francesca because this is uh, uh, alluding to her directly. And when she pushes back and she gets very venomous about it, he starts to back off. But his career is done. That and Francesca, she says to Francesca, and this is another instance of self-sabotage. Maybe she didn't assign Francesca to that role ultimately because maybe it might look bad. It would look like nepotism. But at the same time, or- you've got... You've got this woman that knows all your skeletons. And you're going to not give her the job? She's probably perfectly talented for the gig, and you're not going to give her the job. And not giving her the job also sabotaged. Yeah. So that is the only that is the only move that she seems to make to protect herself is not giving Francesca that job because she thinks it'll look bad. But in that, Francesca leaves her and goes and tells people about what she's been doing. There's an article that comes out in like the New York Times, I think they said, with all these former students talking about how she would give you favor for favors. And if you didn't do what she wanted, she would blacklist you. Like if you didn't fuck her, you were done. And in the meantime, she's got the hots for this like cello player. Yeah, this Russian girl. Who's like, you know, the exciting new thing in her life. And yeah. she's giving her these private lessons because she like schemed a way to get her a solo. It's all so shitty. And, like, and there's she, an and there's and everyone knows it's so obvious. And there's like a cellist in that's been in the harmonic philharmonic for years who everyone's expecting well to do this, and she gives it it's to tradition. Yeah, tradition is that if you're an orchestra and you do a piece and you don't get someone from outside, because usually that would be like a and featuring this famous cellist with our orchestra, right? When you're not doing that, when you're not featuring someone, it should go to first chair. I would love... So it should have been that woman's spot. I would love if Lydia Tard came to the Nashville Symphony. If she if, if she comes to the Nashville Symphony... She's not real. She's not a real person. But okay. So she's obsessed with this young girl who she gives this solo to. So in the midst of, I've got a deposition on Friday. I've got a book reading this weekend in New York. And I've just fired my MIA former assistant who who knows what she's saying. All these articles have come out. She decides to take the pretty young cellist to New York with her. This was cool because this was Lydia sabotaging herself. But also, that girl didn't give a shit about Lydia. She was no. going out at night. She was like she's talking partying to boys. She's while like Lydia's partying. sitting in her hotel room. Then we see at the book reading... Again, the phone. Oh. And this time, it's the little cellist yeah. videoing with someone making fun of her talking about, like, her allegories. 
Well, she's been working, slowly working on this book called Tar on Tar. Oh, yeah. And this is meant to be stupid and funny. Yes. Where And she's reading like an excerpt from her own book. And it's like the lamest shit you it's ever heard. It's so bad. It's so goofy and corny. And so she's definitely high on herself and yeah. it shows. And if it's And if it's not clear that she's just kind of full of shit. Then by that point, it really should be. And she's like distracted from reading her own book because the girl's talking to a boy in the back. Like, yeah. She's like weirdly obsessed about the things that she shouldn't care about and she doesn't pay attention to the things that she should. And they go back and Sharon is like, what the fucking fuck? Like, because everyone's watching Tar right now, there's photos of her and it's like Tar's new young thing photographed in New York. Like, she's, like, walking through people at this deposition protesting her with this girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, this looks so bad. (laughs) It looks terrible. It could not be the worst move you could possibly make. Yeah, so Sharon's like, get the fuck out. You still have an apartment because Tar's never given up her apartment. You know, Tar, Lydia Tar, uh, whose real name is Linda Tar. Yeah. uh, She goes to meet her daughter as she comes out of school, but she's saying she can't, She's keeping her daughter away from her, which all things considered, keeping her away from her child is a little harsh. Okay, here's how I interpreted that. Okay. I don't know that she's not allowed to see the kid at all, because I agree. If she's not allowed to see the kid at all, that's not cool. But what Lydia did in that moment is she went up to the school and was like, Petra, do you want to go to the park with me right now? She was trying to steal Petra. And then Sharon walks around the corner and is like, Lydia, don't do this. She, she Don't do this right now. I don't think she was going to steal Petra because... I don't think she was going to steal her, but she was going to take her be, for a few hours. Because she would not get far in dealing with Petra without Sharon. No, but I just mean, like, she'd probably take her home later, but like, oh, I just wanted to see her. Yeah. But, like, she wasn't communicating because she only does what she wants to do. She doesn't think about anyone else's feelings or needs. But Sharon... And so she didn't think to call Sharon, and maybe Sharon said no to you can see her, but... But Sharon is another one that came up within her orbit by being in a relationship with her. Absolutely. She is an example of all these other women. And it's so funny that, like, you know, Francesca... Maybe he was starry-eyed about Tar at some point. Yeah. But with her and the, the Russian cellist who sees it before anything goes too so far. Fast. Like, the people in which she thinks she has the most admiration and respect from. Don't. They're seeing through her. Absolutely. The facade is, like, breaking quite a bit. Well, and you can see Sharon. Sharon's not stupid. Yeah. She knows because she knows she did. At one point, they do talk about how she and Sharon schemed to make her the conductor of the Berlin Orchestra. Like, they schemed it. Like, how can we handle the politics to make this happen? And when she comes back with this, from this trip, and there's these photos of these girls, and Sharon says to her, basically, I could deal with any of it, except that you didn't fucking tell me. You didn't give me a heads up. You didn't say to me, these articles are coming out. I have this deposition. Sharon had to walk into her orchestra not knowing what the fuck was going on and have everyone whispering and talking behind her back. And then and then Target's fired. So then the other man is conducting, right? And Sharon doesn't even know she got fired. Yeah. She knows nothing. And she's truly like, I think that if there's a different story where Lydia went to Sharon at the beginning, and they worked through this as a united front, and and that could have been an anti-cancel. You, you know, movie. Sharon knows about the infidelity. Sharon she's, knows 
There's no way she doesn't know about the past with Francisca or Krista. There's like no way she doesn't know. She even makes a comment about Francesca at some point. I can't remember how she words it, but she says it in a way that you know. Oh my God. When she shows up and like the French horn player is blowing and she walks up right behind him. And it's so fucking well done how you don't see like Todd Field is not like focusing in on the new conductor who's the guy she had that lunch oh, with. Oh, not her. at all. But it is like why did they start you, with that? You're, you're seeing her come in. Like you you find out that she's fully replaced when she's walking in and they're starting the orchestra because it kind of tricks you into thinking like maybe she still has the job because she's all dressed up. And then, then she, she walks she up sprinting. and then she starts sprinting. And the way it shot is just fucking she, fantastic. She like body checked him. And she like tackles him. That shit was so funny. This movie's maybe funnier than people might. In, in a way, yes. it, it's funnier than people might think it is. And I, I when when the next line got said, that's when I thought people maybe cling a little too hard to this idea. Where the new conductor says to her, Lydia, I think you may be confused. Mm. He's trying to be nice because she's obviously having a break. She just tackled a conductor in front of the Berlin Orchestra while playing <laughs> Mahler's Fifth, okay? She's losing her shit. But that doesn't mean that she's imagined this whole movie. Yeah. He knows who she is. She did mm. once stand in that spot. Like, it's she did not imagine that she was the conductor for the Berlin Orchestra. Yeah, but yeah. I think that that's where you can start to piece back, like, oh, well, did this happen? And did this well, happen? How a, confused is she? And there's, I think, there's a scene where she drops Olga off at where her, this place where she says she's staying with friends. Okay, yeah, this is the most... And when you see the outside thing. of this building, it looks like someone lives there, right? And then she goes in... And Olga has forgotten a little stuffed plush bear. Yeah. So Tar, who's slowly trying to like, you know, win this girl over, runs in there to bring her the bear, but the whole place is just fucking abandoned. Yeah. And the music is getting creepier and creepier. And there's at one point where she, way down in the hallway, she thinks she's seeing like some dog or something, mm -hmm. some creature of some sort. And then she starts to run out of the building and... And she slips on the stairs going up and smashes her face. That scene, that's kind of where the... Well... I'm not totally I'm not totally convinced of the haunted ghost stories. Some things are in her head thing. But I definitely... I understand why people are going there. I'm not convinced that Olga didn't know where she hurt her face. Because I actually thought that that moment was really weird. Where... Tar's been telling everyone that she got attacked, right? But then there's this moment when she and Olga are alone, and Olga looks at her and was like, "Where did you get hurt?" Yeah. And she, or where were you attacked? And it's just kind of this odd little moment of like wondering what she's gonna say to her. And it's like, does she already know the answer, or doesn't she? And maybe she did. Maybe she saw it. Maybe she didn't help. Maybe she was in one of those windows. I don't know. Maybe Olga's like five steps ahead maybe of Olga's her. A werewolf having to drop her off at a place where she doesn't live. Maybe she sees what's coming. Maybe Olga's had to deal with this with composers. She and doesn't want her to know where she past. sleeps, so she and dunks in and back out. She wasn't even around. Maybe Olga was warned by Francesca. Who knows? You can piece the stuff together. Totally. Anyway, you but she's fired. There's also a singing woman in that place that was weird. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so she is kind of losing it. There, There is this funny scene where uh, her neighbor dies. We see that neighbor throughout the movie. Just to add to it, the people who own the place are like, yeah, um, 
we need to show the place so we want to let we want to know when you're playing music so there's no noise when we're showing the place off we don't want to scare off any prospective buyers and then lydia takes out an accordion and sings this song And the credits credit that song as a song that Kate Blanchett really did. Very, yeah, very co-wrote funny. Co-wrote. With- co-wrote. <laughs> so good. So, so. Oh, that was one of the, fa- that was a hilarious moment too. Like that was so bizarre and hilarious. So Tar, she ends up going back to her Staten Island home, her modest little Staten Island home where she grew up to run away or hide. And that's exactly what she did because we see her brother for like a minute and he is completely nonplussed by He's her like, presence. He's like, hey, Linda. I mean, Lydia. Yeah. And because that's her real fucking name, right? Which is just, and we kind of learned that late in the movie, which just kind of adds to the bullshitness mm-hmm. of Tar. We didn't learn it until she went to that house. Be- there's points where like Francesca's like, oh, do you want to stop and see your mother? And she's like, not this time, not this time. So you can tell she hasn't been there in a long time. And we don't even see her mother or anything. But her brother's down there, and he's just like, whatever, you're here to hide. And she's like, why do you say I'm hiding? He's like, you know what? It's none of my business. So, And he just kind of moves, moves along. So near the end of the movie, we're winding down, and she goes to Thailand. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of the work that she gets now, and she's uh, doing conducting there. But it, but it plays it up as though she's she's really diving into this piece and she's really preparing and she wants to make this the best piece. You just think, oh, she's just gone somewhere where maybe they haven't heard about her transgressions and she's conducting a big orchestra in Thailand. She asked the guy at the hotel um, where she can go to get a <laughs> massage. Oh. And Thailand is uh, very known for its sex tourism. So if you're a white person in Thailand asking for a massage... They're probably going to send you to a fucking brothel because they think that's what you mean. So she goes into this room and she looks through this window. A lady's asking her to pick a girl. They call it the fishbowl. Yeah. And uh, did you see the number of the girl that looked up and made eye contact with her? Mahler's fifth. I did actually clock that. I guess this like. I didn't realize the significance. This emotionally hits her as she runs out and she starts throwing up. But what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, what's the difference if she'd fucked that girl than all the other girls she fucked? What's the fucking difference? I think that's why she puked. I think because she realized that she's a piece of shit. The symphony that she's conducting is for a game called Monster Hunter. It's a real game. And you discover, because it does this intro, like a video game intro. Yeah, I wonder the screens came down right before the music started. Because until that moment... You did not know what was going to happen. And then, they played it very smart. And then she starts conducting the music and, it, and, the, and the camera pans to the audience. All cosplayers dressed in their Monster to Hunter the character Like gear. they looked good. This is like official. And that's where Lydia Tar is. Maybe, maybe, maybe she's resentful, but she's also probably taking comfort in her outcastness. 
at the same time. She's martyring herself, I'm sure. Like, she's so narcissistic <clears throat> that this is what she's been forced to do because no one understands her. You know? I guess she's still going to put her all into everything. She's Lydia goddamn tar, you know? Yeah. I guess this conversation Peter. was inevitably going to be long for us. There was yeah. no way this wasn't going to be a long conversation. No, because well, there's just so much to it. All right, but you know what we do. Yeah, we rate movies. We hump them. We rate them. We hump them. Mm. You're going to give this one through five. I'm going to give this one through five. And we will combine them for best out of ten. Tar. Yeah. Uh, uh, Considered one of the best movies of 2022. I will say that the more I thought about it, the more we've talked about it, the more you've pointed out a few small things and I've had like some revelations. I like it more now than I did when I was watching it. I think that's what's fantastic about this movie is that it begs a conversation in a way that is kind of few and far between with a lot of movies we might come across, you know? At yeah. least movies that are coming out today. And and what I would say, if I could, to myself right before we started watching this movie was just hold it with the eye rolls. There will be a point. I think there's plenty of places to eye roll at this character, though. But, I, I don't think are, that's unfounded. But it, was just like, it was like, oh, I hate this like NPR bullshit, whatever. But also, yeah. like, I mean, I guess it's supposed to make me feel that way because because I did. And, and, and now in retrospect, like, I mean, you know, I didn't enjoy it in that I didn't enjoy any of the people I was watching, but I enjoy not the points, but the conversations that we've now had because of it. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I don't think Todd Field is trying to tell us no, I don't either. I don't I think, think he's trying to teach us anything or tell us anything. No, I think he's just trying to like tell a story in a modern context. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very modern movie in, in the sense that he's trying to show us kind of the way things are and what people will do in these environments. But I don't necessarily think he's telling us one way or another no, some, yeah. some broad lesson on cancel culture. No, no, and no. And I honestly think that... That is too surface of a read of this movie. Yeah, so it's not the points that it's making. It's the ideas or the thoughts or the points of view that it brings up. Yes, in the, it's it's a, a modern world movie, yes. I would say. I mean, this is this is my interpretation, you know. Yeah. And I think, like, we've kind of come where you're at and where I'm at. We've kind of combined them in a way here. Yeah. But you must at least, you must still rate this movie. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a five. Wow. Okay. I actually thought, I mean, you've often said before, what would you do to change? Yeah. What would you change about this movie? And there's so much up for interpretation. And I've actually really enjoyed, especially as we got going, I really enjoyed the conversation we had about this movie. Yeah, for sure. And to me, it really, and I mean, just cinematically and like the, the choices and the way the shots are framed, I mean... Man, this movie is fucking good. It is. This movie yeah. is like pretty great. I I completely respect your five. I solid. I mean, that's the high of the top of the A's. So. Mm, oh yeah. So we got a we got a nine with Tar. Yeah, we got a nine. Uh, let me hold on. Let me set this up here. That's a tie with uh, Crimes of the Future. Cold War, Crimes of the Future, and My Own Private Idaho have a nine. Now I usually defer to you uh-huh. as to. What ranks? I'm going to defer to myself this time. Okay. 
par is above every nine. Okay. <laughs> disagree, but okay. Hey, that's I think that's totally great that you disagree. Yeah. But I think this movie is uh quite unique and uh It is. And yeah, there is a lot of hubristic eye rolling bullshit in it. You know how I feel about that blowhard NPR shit. I know. But yeah, and, and it's it's a personal thing that I actually need to work better on of being able to like kind of push that aside and still listen to what's happening because there's obviously a purpose or it wouldn't be there. You're completely justified in not liking her. No, I know that. But I mean, like, I can't just be like, oh, I don't even want to pay attention to what's happening right now because <laughs> I hate these people. I yeah, can't yeah. do that because there was a reason for it. But, you but know? your instinct of them, everyone being full of shit, I think is really right on. Yeah. All right. So that's that movie, <laughs> Tar. You guys, check that out and sign. Go look at the link below to sign my uh, change.org position. Five signatures and it will be public. And then we will get Lydia Tar uncanceled. And maybe we can get her down here in Nashville where we're from and uh, play with the Nashville Symphony. I think that Bobby, would be so cool. Bobby, do we have to have a talk I'm gonna wear my shirt. These are not real. I'm gonna wear my shirt that says Proud Tard. This is a movie. She's not a real person. We didn't even talk about that. A lot of people thought this was a real. A lot of people thought people, she was real. Not based on anybody. No, no. Where would you find that link? In the show notes? In the show notes, find links to places to find us <laughs> and the link to the change.org position. Ignore that part, but petition. the other stuff, yes. Please sign it. No, no, no. Death to all traitors. Death to all traitors. <laughs>